This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to 2018 and uh, Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio on 3CR 855am digital live streaming and a whole bunch of ways to listen to 3CR. Uh, Thank you to Democracy Now! Sorry for fading out there pretty early but uh, Democracy Now! is repeated on Tuesday night between uh, 7.30 and 8.30 so listen in tomorrow night to catch the last uh, half hour of that. Apologies for having to fade it out here early. But anyway, we're Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio with a little program about uh, cycling and related transport issues coming to you from Melbourne, Australia from the studios of 3CR Community Radio and my name's Chris. This week, I'll be picking up from a couple of weeks ago when I was playing some really great little segments put together by Radio Adelaide called Step Away From The Car. Now, these were recorded at the Australian Cycling and Walking Conference last year. And today, we're going to be hearing Auckland, Step Away From The Car. Also, the uh, Trojan Horse of Fun, and this is a great one if you know a little bit about Sydney cycling history or something you might be reminded of that happened a few years ago. And also, No Trespassing, the Art and Politics of Walking in New South Wales, which actually ties in beautifully to the current issues around Invasion Day and uh, paying respect and also knowing knowledge and background of what how what this country actually should encompass a lot more of, of our actual real history of Australia, or so-called Australia in so-called Melbourne. Anyway, you would have may have noticed in the last week or so, it's been a big week for cycling issues. We had the uh, soft launch, the almost imperceptible launch of the new Victorian bicycle strategy for the next 10 years. Uh, Nick Dow from Melbourne Bicycle Users Group went into great detail about um, some issues surrounding that last week's show. I don't believe the podcast is up yet, but we will make sure that gets on air. Yeah, the uh, the takeaway, if you want to read this 40-odd pages of the so-called, uh, <laughs> I keep on saying so-called, but I don't know how else we can describe these things, of the Victorian bicycle strategy, a uh, bookend to a whole bunch of diminishing in their uh, diminishing influence and or outcome strategies is that, uh, like many bicycle strategies and plans, it has no implementation. It has really no big-ticket items. It has a couple in there. It has a whole page devoted to uh, a project to do with the Westgate Tunnel. Isn't that fabulous? And to do with the uh, Footscrove Velo Way, which I don't believe is fit for purpose. But anyway, I think the powers that be, our elected representatives in state, federal government politics... Uh, taking a leaf from overseas and overwhere, where basically they just ignore, 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 and keep ignoring world's best practice. I mean, this is Melbourne. We do have some fabulous uh, experts and professionals and people who are very well versed in doing, you know, planning and transport and all the rest of them. But we have a state and federal government who, over the last five to ten years, or if, if longer, 
consistently ignores what people want. Basically, the algorithm in them is uh, to use a quiet... Hmm, the algorithm is, there is no algorithm. The algorithm, if where I'm coming from, is this, this is basically too much money to be made out of keeping people in cars. And if anything of current politics would uh, play out is it's up to you to organise yourself and keep on politely and sometimes impolitely annoying politicians and elected representatives that don't do their jobs or don't do correct governance or transparency or and or let third party companies and very, very large ones at that uh, basically dictate our transport policy. Yes, it's quite depressing, but I believe the stuff I've got um, lined up today for a step away from the car will g you up a bit. I also have a fair bit of news and events. There's a couple of rides on, and also the big news is that the tour down under is kicking off tonight or tomorrow, I believe. I was watching the men's last night and the women's the day before, and uh, also a bit of uh, interesting news that the up in Queensland that uh, the... The media up there is doing another one of their own goals of should riders be on the road and we'll run a whole bunch of running interference of uh, telling you what you should think about how people should ride and uh, organisations up there who purport to represent uh, riders uh, just basically, <laughs> well they have, they've, wi- they've raised the white flag, they've given up. They said, oh, we should be just nice, quiet and polite and subservient and and uh, just, uh, you know, be nice and you'll get your way on the roads or shared uh, paths and the like. And it's just basically <laughs> they've surrendered. Anyway, if you want to look up, um, I'll just say the words Korea Mile one week ago and look up some of that. It really is a masterclass in how the media love to push these issues when there really is no issue and they actually... The, the biggest thing is that they are actually pushing is toxic attitudes and a toxic environment for people who want to do things other than get into a car. And yeah, it's, I have to kind of almost grudgingly congratulate a very large news organisation for the way that they almost professionally run these uh, toxic campaigns. It's, it's, it's something that you should sit down and study and, and also work out a way of yourself of moving around it because they absolutely love to upset people because, you know, it's all money, it's all revenue, it's the same thing for keeping people in cars. But that's enough of my take on things. It's a pretty random, generalised take on things, but... It's, uh, yeah, 2018 and we've got uh, probably a whole year of this sort of stuff coming up ahead. But I digress. Well, I'll kick off in a moment with Step Away From The Car. This is a great little um, series put together by Radio Adelaide. And I hope you enjoy what's coming up next. Step away from the car. Step away from the car. Step away from the car. Some news about active transport. I mean, cycling as a whole in Auckland is definitely increasing, but further on, in terms of the, the neighbourhood type of greenways, um, it'll be interesting to see how the local board can continue to make more of these connected uh, cycle routes that basically makes the whole area a lot more accessible to the people living there. 
Jason Chow has a great job which involves designing safe routes for cyclists and pedestrians. Sometimes the solution is greenways, safe routes well away from cars. But the light path is something pretty different again. The light path is a very innovative project and I was lucky to be part of the team. So basically we uh, used a redundant off-ramp in, in CBD and converted it into a shared path for cyclists and pedestrians. But because of the location of where it's built, it's also now a very important route connecting to the northern part of the city and also the southern part of the CBD. And it's bright pink. Yes, and it is bright pink with lights columns on both sides of the route. Along the whole route, it has um, detection on movement. So, for example, if the light is on the, the purple, when it detects the people, it will go to another different colour. And it's uh, very, very vibrant when you're travelling there at night. Your big project at the moment is, is much more low-tech, isn't it? It's about creating the first greenway in Auckland. So perhaps could you first of all say what do you mean a greenway? What does that mean? It's a plan to connect a lot of the green areas of a neighbourhood using walkways, cycleways to connect these locations um, and also help people to have a less uh, stressful environment to walk and cycle. This uh, project particularly is concentrated uh, mainly for the school students because nearby there are six schools and the project is only about 2.5k so that's uh, our commission to do the work. It actually connects the, uh, the green space in the middle um, and the two green spaces on north and south of my project. So essentially a 2.5 upgrade of footpaths or, or cycle paths actually result in a 7k accessible network of routes. Do you have a sense of the impact that it's having on local schools to have that area linked up? In terms of myself actually going back and walk the route and also closing off site visit um, I could see children playing along the footpaths which uh, is very encouraging for me showing that people can actually go out and actually um, just enjoy where they, they live, whereas previously would be um, too scared because of um, the amount of traffic as well as the speed. What kind of work had to be done to overcome barriers to make this link up of your routes for yeah. children to travel? Yeah, well some elements which I think are quite essential. In Auckland we're separated into different uh, local boards, so it's important that the local board buys into it. Secondly, I mean to be honest, if the neighbourhood doesn't actually want it, it's not smart to actually build those assets in, in the environment. But in this case, because they're so close to schools, as well as the number of green spaces available, that makes it a lot easier um, to make it a successful um, project. Other challenges perhaps are, I'm not sure whether you have an issue in, in Australia, but in New Zealand, parking is very important because we love our cars. Losing parking spaces is certainly an Australian thing. Yeah. How did you tackle that? Um, I mean, one good example is along the route there's a hockey turf, a hockey association, and apparently they just submitted a consent for like a $2 million upgrade of their hockey field. And we have to remove some of their parking for the route, and they're, they're posted. But then we try to give things back by saying, oh, well, we're giving you some other locations where we're increasing the, the parking space available so that total amount of effective loss to you is not as great as you imagine. In the end, yeah, it was all, uh, I guess, sorted, and the project went ahead. 
All of that kind of laying the groundwork. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of homework needs to be done and the background to support yourself. Um, I mean, the council and the people that make the changes, they're not making a change just for the sake of making it. They, they want to obviously do something that's beneficial to the, to the neighbourhood. Um, and sometimes it's other people that may be affected, but for the big picture, a bigger context, um, it's actually better for the city. Jason Chow, Senior Traffic Engineer with GHD in Auckland, New Zealand. This segment was recorded at the 2017 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference and produced by Nikki Page. Decolonise Now, a fundraising event, 6 to 11pm, Saturday 20th of January, at The Factory in Richmond. All funds will be of immediate use for the warriors of Aboriginal resistance, in particular their seven days of resistance in the lead up to Invasion Day and travel costs to the Tent Embassy in Canberra. Performers include Racer Age, Glitter Rats, Black Orchid String Band and more. Tasty West Papuan food will be available for purchase. Be there to show your support. Find it on Facebook. Decolonise Now fundraising event. Saturday, 20th of Jan from 6 at The Factory. Hosted by Allies Decolonising, who are a proud 3CR supporter. Sounds in this clip have been Racer Age. And you are indeed listening to 3CR. This is Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. The next segment I'm going to play in this Step Away From The Car series is No Trespassing, The Art of Politics and Walking in New South Wales. When they were Andrew Warrior called Warindu Dine, walked from Bathurst to Parramatta in 1824, it was to surrender to the governor to avoid further bloodshed. That event is the focus of today's episode of Step Away From The Car featuring artist Molly L. Wagner who is retracing that 197 kilometre walk on foot and as you can imagine the experience has led to many new insights. Step away from the car. Step away from the car. Step away from the car. Some news about active transport. And the fact that they let a token artist in the mix here with the urban designers and transport people was, I thought was great on their part, just sort of an open-minded approach. So, yeah, it's been great. Molly Wagner speaking at the Australian Walking and Cycling Conference. She's lived in New South Wales for 30 years, long enough to explore the history of her adopted land and to meet Wiradjuri woman Dr Megan Williams. She's a public health researcher who shared the story of her ancestor Windradine and his extraordinary walk of almost 200 kilometres. Who was Windradine? The Wiradjuri warrior who waged or fought against the British settlers and military back in the 1800s when they were invading Wiradjuri country. And he finally, in 1824, after martial law had been in place for several months, he realized that if his people were to survive, he needed to surrender. So he and 140 other Wiradjuri people walked to Parramatta to the annual governor's feast, and he surrendered. Martial law was ended. And several of those key administrators in the British colonial system were actually sent back to England as a result of his heroic gesture. So it's, it's one of those sort of 
chills up your spine stories. And as, as an artist, I discovered walking art. And uh, so when Megan mentioned this story, I thought, oh, this might be an interesting way for me to get into that, some of those ideas, as well as having this amazing historical narrative to trace, to study, to explore, and maybe express in some sort of contemporary way. You mentioned walking art. It came out of the land art and the site-specific art of the 1960s. Hamish Fulton in particular said, my walks are my art. And he will make long distance walks and then he'll bring this back into the gallery with large wall paintings or he'll some way trace the watercourse that he followed. And I just, I was so intrigued by this because I've always loved to walk. And the idea that I didn't have to be trapped in a studio somewhere, you know, that I could go out and be in the world and somehow record that experience with a camera with a drawing and if I need to bring it back to the gallery I can maybe I don't have to with Instagram and stuff it can happen that way too. Molly is still exploring the idea of retracing Windredine's full walk from Bathurst to Parramatta. We talked on the phone to catch up with where her process is taking her and she's renamed her project now called No Trespassing the Art and Politics of Walking in New South Wales. Places where we can walk are prescribed by uh, an emphasis on the automobile and also private ownership of property. And I also became aware that in all the historical research I was doing, Winderdine's amazing, courageous walk is one event on these roads that are just absolutely rich with historical and political significance and artistic potentials. The walk that helped me significantly change the title and the parameters was from Sydney to Parramatta because it's one of the oldest roads built by the British. It was opened in 1811. Parramatta and Sydney were both formed at about the same time in 1788. Only the river was how they navigated between the two areas. So I wanted to access this colonial history you know, it was a it was an interesting day. It was not a pleasant walk, I have to say. It, it really is just so many cars, so many trucks, so many buses, and it was so noisy. So, sounds like hell, really, to me. What? <laughs> As an artist, did it inspire you? Well, I, I mean, I took my pictures. I suppose I was inspired more in the in my conviction that somehow we really have to rethink our relationship with the car and with the environment. Molly, let's go back to looking at this original Windredine walk from Bathurst right up to Parramatta. You've been exploring and thinking about doing that, haven't you? What sort of things have you discovered in that process? What I've done is make all-day walks along the roads between those two cities. I contacted the central New South Wales Bushwalking Club and learned from them about the Cox's Road Dreaming Project. The subtitle for that is History with Your Boots On. So they put together a publication or a guidebook that traces William Cox's road that he built in 1813 between Penrith and Bathurst. But of course, that road goes through a lot of private properties. That Bushwalking Group is also putting together a project called the Great West Track. 
So they're trying to piece together walking tracks through the mountains and into the plains region. And it's interesting how history replicates itself, too, because going through those mountains presents a lot of problems. Walking the highway there is almost impossible. So I've had to access things that I can via public transport. So I'll take the train out to Katoomba and walk for the day in a... um, easterly direction. I did Katoomba to Woodford and then I walked from Woodford to Glenbrook on the Oaks Fire Trail and it's in a park and I walked on a weekday so I didn't have to um, be in strife with the mountain bike riders that (laughs) they use that track on the weekends. The the project is definitely an evolving one. It's process-based, it's experimental, I use my camera and I'll have a notebook and I might make maps and drawings and share the occasional passing thought that so often happens when walking. Molly L. Wagner, pedestrian artist. Look for her online to follow her walking exploration of the route from Bathurst to Sydney. This segment was recorded at the 2017 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference and produced by Nikki Page. Lest we forget, join us to commemorate the 176th anniversary of the execution of the two freedom fighters, Tanaminawai and Moorbohina, at the Tanaminawai and Moorbohina Monument, corner of Victoria and Franklin Street, Melbourne. Do you know the names of the first men hanged here in Melbourne town? Join us midday, Saturday, the 20th of January. 2018 and then walk with us to their last resting place in the Queen Victoria markets. The ceremony will be broadcast live on community radio 3CR, 3cr.org.au. Far from their ancestral homes down in Van Diemen's land, they knew their lives would be in vain if they didn't take a stand. You're listening to Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR. Now, the next section coming up or segment is the Trojan Horse of Fun. What happens when you take the dark arts of advertising and develop collective impact programs to encourage and support cycling in the city of Sydney? Jess Miller has been finding out in her work as Program Director with the Republic of Everyone and especially as part of Clovermore's independent team on the Sydney Council. Jess was a keynote speaker at the Australian Walking and Cycling Conference, and you can hear highlights on this next segment. Step away from the car. Step away from the car. Step away from the car. Some news about active transport. The best way to overcome and subvert the dominant paradigm is just to have fun. So I think when people see kids on bikes and people walking and different types of people all using the cycleway in a respectful, happy, friendly environment, that's the kind of attitude that we need to really shift things. Jess Miller, keynote speaker at the Australian Walking and Cycling Conference and recently elected to the Sydney City Council as part of Clover Moore's independent team. 
So the big problem that I guess we face as um, policymakers now kind of with my government hat on is overcoming this perception that cycling in Sydney is in fact madness. And when I moved to Sydney in 2004, like I'd be living in Canberra. And so Canberra is just like a dreamscape. It's flat, it's fab, and you can do anything you want in Canberra. But then coming to Sydney, I was living in Marrickville and had to get all the way from kind of the western side of town to eastern Sydney. And it was terrifying. Like I was on the little bit on the paths, like kind of practicing on a Sunday to psych myself up to do it on a Monday deciding not to do it because it was too scary. And then finally, it was kind of through friends and a bike bus that I eventually kind of built up the nerve to do it because there was nothing. There was no separated cycleways. There was nothing marked. It was bedlam. It wasn't until 2007 that the City of Sydney's 2030 plan came into play. And the vision within that strategic plan was connection through cycling, pedestrians and good quality public transport. The backlash was toxic. The whole thing was playing out like this grumpy old white man version of Home and Away. It was Alf Stewart's everywhere. It was absolutely horrible. The city had been dragged into this very binary argument where it was cars versus bikes, Clover versus Alan Jones, madness versus sanity. And it was a really, really, really troubling um, dialogue and, and narrative to try and overcome. The unintended consequence, I suppose, was quite interesting because through the telly kind of banging this, you know, drumming up all this rage, we found that a lot of health experts and local businesses all came out very much in support of the benefits of cycling. But what it also did, which was quite interesting, is it kind of galvanised this amazing support among the community who identified as being anti-Alan Jones. <laughs> so Alan Jones had decided that he'd had enough, Clover had gone too far, and he was going to have a town hall meeting at town hall. And so it spread like wildfire on social media. This is what was happening, and the hashtag on your bike quickly emerged, and they did up a T-shirt in a day, the hashtag went through everywhere and around about 2,500 cyclists showed up at Town Hall and just did laps <laughs> with the bicycle bells ringing the whole time. It was a huge, huge success. It was a real turning point, I think, in terms of presenting cycling as something that people really care about and something that people that don't just look like the typical cyclists do. So the, the anti-Alan Joneses really got it together. Like we decided that we wanted to have bicycle film festivals. That was a big deal. Um, there were little groups popping up that were just for girls who wanted to go cycling. Um, it became fashionable. You could walk down Crown Street in Surrey Hills and you could see beautiful lime green bicycles in the shop window of a real estate agent. And I think for me, that was kind of like the turning point and went, hang on, this is actually not just a weird, wacky, crazy, mad thing for people who are insane. It's starting to become part of what people feel attached to as a cultural trend. It's kind of cool. It's something that all, they're, they're different tribes. There are BMX bandits and emo hipsters and road warriors, and that's all okay because um, it's something that people can access really interesting. And I think that that's where I saw the shift from this kind of individual approach of getting people to ride because it's good for them 
um, into this more collective and collaborative um, kind of movement, I suppose, which was really, really heartening. Around the same time, the city also realised that it really it had to kind of go down this traditional sort of marketing route. So one of the things that it began doing was to try a bike program in Hyde Park. And throughout most of spring and summer, they just got people, one of the most simplest, but one of the most um, effective tactics that the city did to try and engage um, people who didn't think they were cyclists or couldn't be cyclists to just get on a bike. Um, that campaign was reinforced by the Sydney Cycleways showing people like very practical ways of getting involved, like things like maps and where to go and how to get on, how to, what bike to buy. Um, trying to put all the information in one area was really quite important. But, you know, the great stuff is, is that it, we're all about doubling the trips. The latest survey said that of the 200,000 residents in the city, we've got 28,600 regularly using the cycleway, which is like more than two to three trips a week, which doesn't sound like much, but that's huge given that not that long ago, people just wouldn't even. We've proven that if you do invest in the infrastructure, people will use it. So all of that other stuff can happen in the periphery, but unless you're actually gonna like match it with separated, safe, well-designed cycleways that are well-connected, well-planned across other districts, a lot of that other soft approach stuff doesn't always work so well. Jess Miller, Program Director with the Republic of Everyone and Sydney City Councillor. This segment was recorded at the 2017 Australian Walking and Cycling Conference and produced by Nikki Page. That's all I've got time for this week on Yarra Boss. We use group radio. But a quick bit of news and events. Tonight, there's a women trans non-binary ride happening up at uh, Commuter Cycles. That's at 14 Prentice Street in uh, Brunswick. And that will be starting at uh, 6.15 to 7.15 p.m. up there at uh, Commuter Cycles. And you also may have noticed uh, the roster for the Indian Pacific is out so if you want to check who's riding this year go to the Indian Pacific website and check it out and this year also there is a oh, teams teams thing that uh, you may remember last month I did an interview with Melbourne Dirt also coming up this weekend is another ride for this is the Lightning Furies Melbourne ride and this is another fabulous ride for people who are you know it's women non binary, trans, whatever, you want to get out and have a ride on the roads, this is a really chill ride, you should get out and have a look at it, it's on uh, January the 20th, uh, they're a bike gang of tough women and non-binary folks and when they take to the streets, women, children wave, drivers get out of their way and like a hoons, choose a different route, but anyway, you can dress up for this, which uh, appeals to me greatly, so uh, this kicks off around about 3pm on Saturday at a location which I can't find on my silly little phone at the moment but I will put all the details into the podcast. If you want to find out more news and events follow us on uh, Yarrabug on Twitter which is Yarra Bike 
for kind of ephemeral news and events and things that are going on, or on Facebook, Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio on 3CR. We've got a little thing there with uh, events that you can keep an eye on. Or you can also go to our website, which is yarrabug.org forward slash events, and there's heaps of stuff on there. And as I said, that's all I've got time for this week. The podcast should be up soon at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast or our website, which is yarrabug.org forward slash radio. Thank you so much. I'll be back in about a fortnight and next week should be Val and Faith. And up next is Jailbreak. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.